Welcome to this Pure Voice activity. To access the entire activity, including downloadable slides and transcript, go to www.peervoice.com forward slash URC. This activity is supported by an educational grant from Sanofi and Regeneron Pharmaceuticals. Welcome to this Pure Voice panel discussion on chronic rhinosinusitis with nasal polyps. This activity comprises two presentations featuring Professor Witzke Falkens, Dr. Jorge Maspero, and Professor Ruby Pavankar. At any time during this presentation, you may download supporting materials and share this activity with colleagues. Hello, this is Witzke Falkens from the Amsterdam University Medical Center in Amsterdam, the Netherlands. Welcome to this activity on chronic rhinosinusitis with nasal polyps. We are representing a global perspective in our panel today, and I'm very pleased to introduce to you uh, my colleagues, Ryobi Pavankar from Nippon Medical School in Tokyo, Japan, and Professor Jorge Maspero from the Fundación CIDEA in Buenos Aires, Argentina. If we discuss chronic rhinosinusitis, we have to de define what chronic rhinosinusitis is, and I assume you all know it is a, a chronic inflammation of the nose and sinuses characterized by loss of smell, blockage, rhinorrhea, and facial pain. And especially in chronic rhinosinusitis with nasal polyps, uh, loss of smell and blockage are the main symptoms. If we treat primary diffuse chronic rhinosinusitis with nasal polyps, the, we usually start with appropriate medical therapy that consists of nasal corticosteroids, drops or spray or rinses, saline rinses. We educate our patients for technique and compliance and consider oral corticosteroids when needed. When we consider biologicals, um, that is for patients that have very severe chronic rhinosinusitis with nasal polyps. Usually, these patients have had sinus surgery before. And then EPOS 2020 proposed five criteria where three are needed to have an optimal candidate for biological treatment. And these criteria are the evidence of type 2 inflammation, the regular need for systemic corticosteroids or contraindication to systemic steroids, significant impairment of quality of life, significant loss of smell, and or a diagnosis of poor male with asthma. Jorge, can you comment on these um, criteria, please? Well, these criteria were set uh, really based on the experience and the data accumulated on a number of years and uh, of course should be interpreted by the common sense. In fact, if you have no evidence of type two inflammation, although you may fulfill the other criteria, you should not consider a biologic for this kind of patients. Also, the need of steroids should be uh, added to the effect they have had in the patient. Most patients with type 2 inflammation improve their symptoms with systemic steroids. The issue is that systemic steroids are harmful. So the precedent of having received and improved with uh, corticosteroids uh, used systemically is very helpful for us to take a decision. Having said that, if we may have data from previous surgery regarding the histopathology of these nasal polyps showing 
a huge uh, presence of eosinophils, more than 10 at least for high resolution uh, field. This could be very, very uh, useful to decide that this patient has a type 2 endotype and these patients are those who improve with biologicals. Thank you for those uh, extra comments. Um, can you also comment on when not to use a biological? Well, uh, obviously, if the patient has not type 2 inflammation, if the nasal polyps is unilateral, you should guess that something else will maybe ongoing there. If the surgery has not been adequately performed, we see many patients with very limited surgical approaches that are uh, usually predicting recurrence, and this is not the, the correct way to do it. So this needs to be very carefully assessed before indicating a biologic. Thank you. Thank you for that comments. Of course, you already mentioned um, the importance of uh, endotyping. Um, and you already said you could do that with uh, looking at tissue after surgery. But of course, when the patient is referred to us, we sometimes do not have it. And I think it's important to realize that there are a lot of indications for uh, being, having uh, type 2 disease, like uh, smell as, as, as the main symptom or congestion, uh, when the patient has NERD, aspirin intolerance, when there is atopy, when we see eosinophilic mucus and polyps. You already mentioned um, the the um, favorable effect of systemic steroids, huh? a clear sign of uh, type 2 inflammation. And of course, we uh, now emphasize that it's important to do some lab uh, and to measure elevated IgE and eosinophilia to further decide that uh, type 2 disease is necessary. Ruby, what do you think uh, if we in epos of course we suggested that uh, sinus surgery is more or less mandatory before choosing to treat with a biological but can you imagine that there are situations where you would not like to do surgery before using a biological i think uh, surgery is of course the first indication i mean uh, for using uh, for, for treatment of chronic rhinosinusitis with nasal polyps and uh, the, you know, repeated surgery is is one of the indications of why we would do a biologic. Of course, if it's a very very clear indication that this patient has a type two uh, inflammation, uh, as you already mentioned, as Orke already mentioned, the presence of eosinophils, the presence of uh, tissue eosinophils, uh, peripheral blood eosinophils, comorbidities, and also maybe a history of surgery. At other places, that also is an indication of um, uh, going for a biologic. Okay, thank you. Jorge, uh, maybe you can discuss which biologicals are uh, approved for chronic rhinosinusitis at the moment and where, you, where people can prescribe them. Well, uh, uh, almost all around the world, uh, maybe, of course, differences from country to country, but in all regions, three kinds of biologics are approved. Anti-IL-4 receptor antagonist, this is tupilumab. Anti-IL-5, this is mepolizumab. And anti-IgE, the omalizumab. The three are approved for nasal polyps. And of course, the three are approved for bronchial asthma with differing characteristics. And the availability and reimbursement policies may change from country to country. And of course, there may be 
differences in the efficacy and the profile of patients, but the, the three groups are approved roughly all around the world. But in Japan, uh, it's just dipirumab that is currently a, approved for chronic coronavirus and nasal polyps, although for asthma, all the other, uh, the other two are also approved. Jorge, um, what are your clinical criteria for uh, eligibility to a biological and which patients may benefit most of the treatment? But our first clinical criteria is to be sure, absolutely sure, that the patient have a chronic rhinosinusitis with nasal polyps that is not improved with traditional and, and expensive therapies such as uh, intranasal steroids in high doses or have side effects for it. We obviously reject the diagnosis by means of uh, nasal endoscopy and uh, obviously this is scans. And if we are sure that the nasal polyps are bilateral, they are there, that there is a type 2 background, we may consider the chance of a biologic if the patient has had adequate surgical procedures before or also if they have had two or three or four surgeries. In tertiary centers as mine, the people is very unusual to come to us without a previous surgery from another side. Yeah. Whatever the point, there may be some patients that do not have previous surgery and perhaps if they have a very clear uh, NERD syndrome, we may consider in some few cases to prescribe a biologic without a surgery or if there is a contraindication for the surgery. So, to summarize um, this um, webinar, um, biologics are a paradigm shift, a fantastic new development for patients with very severe chronic rhinosinusitis with nasal polyps that have type proven type 2 inflammation, do not react favorably to appropriate medical treatment, including oral corticosteroids, do not respond favorably to surgery. So that's a limited group of severe patients with chronic rhinosinusitis, but a very important group that may um, have a, a huge impact on their quality of life. Um, Biologic can help to reduce the need for repetitive surgery and uh, longer periods of oral corticosteroids, the way we treated these patients now, uh, that have uh, can have very serious consequences for the rest of their lives. So thank you for watching, and please join us at the next episode where we will answer questions on the management of patients with chronic rhinosinusitis with nasal polyps who are receiving a biological therapy. This is Wietke Fokkens from the Amsterdam University Medical Center's location AMC in Amsterdam, the Netherlands. Welcome to this second part of this activity on chronic rhinosinusitis with nasal polyps. We are representing a global perspective here in our panel today, and I'm very pleased to introduce my dear colleagues, uh, Professor Ruby Pavankar from the Nippon Medical School in Tokyo, Japan, and Professor Jorge Mespero, from the Foundation Syria in Buenos Aires, Argentina. Uh, we discussed some key questions around initiation of biological treatment earlier, and now we will look at questions regarding the management of patients who are on a biologic treatment uh, already. But first, let's look at the very shortly at the data of the different biologics. 
Ruby, can you discuss the Liberty Trial for us? Uh, thank you, Itzke. Yes, absolutely. I mean, this is uh, the study looking at uh, the effect of dipilumab and uh, done over a period of uh, 24 and 52 weeks. And uh, the endpoints looked here uh, are the nasal polyp score, the SNOT22 score, and the UPSID score. And as you can see here very clearly, as compared to placebo, that there is a very good effect even at the 24 week uh, uh, that uh, the, the treatment with dipilumab very clearly uh, has a significant difference uh, compared to um, uh, placebo. The important point here is that subsequent to the 24 weeks, even by making it like once in four weeks instead of once in two weeks, you can see that the uh, symptom, the symptom, the nasal polyp score, the SNOT22 and the absence are all maintained at a lower level, a significantly lower level as compared to placebo, showing that there's a persistent effect uh, even over this longer period. Thanks, Ruby. Well, if we look at the omalizumab, Zolaire, uh, there were, again were two trials, but now not with different dosage, but with the same dose. But you see that uh, with that dose, a very uh, an effect very similar to the um, uh, dupilumab trials was found. And uh, Jorge, what about uh, mepolizumab? Well, mepolizumab has conducted a very large trial, the synapse, and uh, we should uh, acknowledge that the drug proved to be effective, but also we need to consider that the population was not exactly the same as everybody in the synapse study has at least one previous surgery. This was not the case for the dupilumab or omalizumab study, where patients may enter the study without previous surgeries. And also that the way of measuring the outcomes was not exactly the same. For example, the nasal obstruction score was different than in the uh, omalizumab or dupilumab trial. So the numbers are not really completely comparable and you, the people should be aware of this. Anyway, the nasal polyp score was reduced. There's not 22 improved and the need for systemic corticosteroids rescue or surgery during the 52 weeks of the trials were improved with the use of the biologic. The yeah. loss of smell was assessed in another way as the visual analog score, the absent data are not available still. Thank you very much. So um, three very important trials, a little bit different populations and therefore we cannot directly compare, um, but um, in this meta, uh, cluster analysis, um, and the authors, Oitman and uh, colleagues, did the best try they could to compare efficacy of, and safety of biologics for chronic rhinosinusitis with nasal polyps. And you see here a, a little bit complicated table, but not so complicated. It shows uh, patient imp important outcomes like quality of life, symptoms, smell, rescue, oral corticosteroids. Uh, surgery and adverse events, and then some surrogate me measurements like nasal polyp size. And you can see clearly here that uh, when we compare those three biologicals, that the PILIMAP uh, seems to do uh, the best. And you yes. see the most green, um, uh, um, uh, the most green uh, figures. 
Amalisbaab the second and Maypo uh, the last. But again, um, uh, important to emphasize that this was taken from the trials we, that we just showed you, and that the uh, this is not a comparative study, uh, and that we have to be very careful in uh, interpreting these data. Jorge, do we have a good scheme to help us further in deciding which biological to take? Well, deciding what biological is the best for each individual patient is problematic by, say, because even from the severe asthma side, we have a lot of, of overlap. And this is even more difficult when we speak about nasal polyps. Whatever the the time gives us in the future, it may be easier if we have comparative data, let's say crossover trial, which we do not have today, or the data from registries, because up to today, we do not have a clear definition of which patient is the best for each biologic. Perhaps we may be sure is that if the patient has a very raised eosinophil count, let's say higher than 1500, we should uh, consider um, an anti-IL-5 strategy, but about uh, about the other cases of nasal polyps, probably will uh, be in the situation where any of them may work, and if it doesn't work within the six months, we'll be forced to change it or to try any other one. And also, we may consider that the biologic may work for asthma, but not for the nasal polyps in the same patient, that this is something that is not so unusual and may face us with the need of reassessing all the decision process and perhaps changing the biologic for this lack of efficacy on the comorbidity. Okay, thank you very much for that comment. Um, now let's look shortly at the side effects of biologicals. Uh, we, uh, Ruby, do you want to discuss these uh, three biologicals when we consider side effects? Well, when we compare the side effects, there are not such major differences in uh, uh, the adverse events between dipilumab and omalizumab and mepolizumab. There's really not such uh, huge differences in the side effects in the adverse events among these three. Important and short uh, conclusion. And then, of course, we have to decide on the uh, monitoring of um, uh, the biological. And EPOS uh, suggested this five uh, criteria to evaluate when you um, uh, define the response of the patient, uh, reduced polyp size, systemic steroids, quality of life, smell, and comorbidities, the same that we started at the diagnosis. And to do that after four months, as Jorge already said, you would expect an effect after four months and again after a year. And then the last very important question that I would like to ask uh, Jorge is, uh, how do we decide when to stop a biological? And maybe you can use the data from the Liberty trial to help to uh, explain what data we have at the moment and also what data we miss. Well, this is uh, some, um, a point where the information is not too much. We have clear data from the Sinus 52 and Sinus 24 studies showing in the Sinus 24 that if you stop the biologic nasal polyps regrowth, but if you maintain the treatment, the improvement keeps on going. And even you may perhaps 
cut the dose and use it once a month instead of every 14 days, and you'll still keep the benefit and uh, perhaps more improvement. So at this time, we are not suggesting to stop treatment in patients who respond, but perhaps to uh, give a dose a month in order to save uh, resources. This is for the dupilumab. There is not such experience for the other two biologics, and we really, what we have seen in clinical practice is that if we stop the biologic, the disease come back. And this is the same that is happening in asthma. Thank you, Clarke. We uh, thank you very much for uh, for this analysis. I want to summarize what we told you. If you consider using a biological, please use the EPOS criteria um, because they are the best um, help to decide which patients to give a biological to. Uh, consider carefully to which patient you are giving a biological and um, also consider, and I hope we showed you that uh, some patients, especially patients that do not have type 2 inflammation, do not need a biological. Um, for now, I want to thank you for watching and um, um, hope you uh, got some new information what you can do with a biological for your patients. This has been an activity published by Peer Voice.